Good morning, everyone. Well, my name is Ryan G. I serve here as the middle school pastor. And hopefully you've been able to join us for the past four weeks as we've been going through this series called Hungry. And we've been talking about all these different things we hunger for in our lives, whether it's food, whether it's success or wealth or to be liked or for security and comfort. And we often find when we hunger for these things, when we work for them, we're often left with this feeling of, exhaustion because it takes so much time and effort. And other times when we even get these things, we're often left feeling empty because it never really fully satisfies and we feel like we don't ever get enough. And so we've been talking through this idea that Jesus is the one that sustains us, provides for us, and satisfies us. And this idea has been brought up in these gifts that God has given us to practice, to remind us of this truth. We talked about fasting and how when you take a break from food, it actually reminds you of your need for God in your life. And this other practice that we had was solitude. When you take a break, when you slow down, when you spend time to connect with God, it helps you refocus your life on what he is doing. And last week, Pastor Larry talked about this idea of studying the word, that God's word is breathed out, that it is spoken, that it is written to remind us of truths and to remind us of promises that we easily forget. And so as we finish this series in Hungary, I want to say something that I'm hungry for, and that one thing is control. And often when we hear this word control, we think of, you know, a James Bond villain, bad guy, or the bad guy in a Marvel movie that just wants to control the world and the universe. Well, when I mean control, what I want is a sense of certainty. What I want is to know that I will be comfortable at all times. And we do this a lot in our lives, this fight for control, this feeling that we need to control our lives. This morning, you set an alarm to make sure you would wake up and get some sleep. And hopefully, you actually listened to it and came on time. Another way is we fight for control is that when we ever want to share a photo, maybe of the 4th of July that you had a party this weekend, or your vacation, or even a selfie, we often take photos over and over again. And we constantly re-edit and filter until it's just perfect, until we can just share it. And whether we're hot or cold, we can, at the switch of a button, turn on the AC or turn on the heater, make sure we're comfortable and we're not too hot, not too cold. There's different ways in our lives that we fight for control. And often there are very good things that we do to have a sense of groundedness. But as you and I know, life is not always predictable. Life is complicated and it's not easy to control. Maybe on Monday you're going to encounter lots of traffic because now the Bay Area has traffic and you're going to be late to work and that's kind of out of your control. Or maybe when you were shopping for, at the grocery store and you were trying to rush home, there's always that front person in line that's really slow, that's taking change out of their wallet or their purse. Or there's people, you or someone you know, that gets the news that you've been diagnosed with a sickness or someone you know has cancer. And there's so many aspects of our life that are outside of our influence, outside of our control, and it feels like, man, if only I could have that sense of influence and control in my life, that security, that comfort. 
that certainty. Uh, last month, I, I went through this series of experiencing a lot of fatigue, a lot of head pressure, a lot of brain cloudiness, and uh, just didn't feel right. And so after lots of doctor's visits, lots of taking medication, uh, having health tests, and having it come back negative, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so after about two weeks of feeling these symptoms, I started to feel a little uneasy. I started to feel frustrated. I started to feel like, man, I don't have a sense of control over my health right now. I don't have the ability to take care of menial responsibilities because of my symptoms. I don't even know when I'm gonna go back to work. And so when I started feeling this sense of, man, I am not in control of my life right now, I started to sense that maybe, man, maybe God is not in control. And I remember when I was feeling this way of just questioning and just really struggling with what is going on, I remember God kept on repeating this truth to me. It's in Psalm 46.10, and it says, Be still and know that I am God. And that's a simple sentence, but it's powerful because when we actually realize what God is saying to us, in those moments when you and I don't feel like we have control in our lives, God is saying, I am with you. When we are feeling frustrated or emotionally down or angry and we're just tired of the way things are, God is saying, trust me. Be where you are at, even though it's terrible right now, but know that I'm good and I am in control. And for someone like myself, and maybe for some of you in this crowd, as a control freak, it is really hard to give up your grip on the things you feel like you need to control. Whether that's your marriage, whether that's your kid's behavior, whether that's a situation at work. We have this idol of control in our lives. And it's not until something terrible has to happen, or it's not until we come to the realization of the truth that oftentimes we don't get to control what happens to us. However, we do get to choose how we respond to life situations. And I love this idea that we get to give up the grip that we hold on so tightly to, to whatever it is. And what God wants to give us instead is his comfort, his peace, his rest. So now in this next time, we're going to take an offering. And it's basically a time to give our gifts that God has so graciously given us. But before we do that and jump into another song, I want us to pray this prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. It's a pretty famous prayer. But I want you to think about, as I pray this prayer, what is one thing in your life that you feel like you need to control? Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's something at work. What is the one thing you feel like, if I lose this, then my world will be, will be ending? And as you think about that one thing, I want you to think about how God is with you in that relationship. God is present, and he is the one that is in control no matter what you're going through. Would you pray with me? Good morning. How's everyone doing today? This is a packed house. This is where everybody was. Um, how was everyone's 4th of July? Great. 
I live in Hayward, and they celebrate the 5th and 6th of July. So we're just keeping the party going. Well, I, if you don't know me, my name is Lindsay. I am the Cafe 4 Ministry Director. I'm super excited to be here this morning to close out this series called Hungry. We've been talking about this idea of having full bellies and empty souls. And the fact that it is the human condition to try to find satisfaction in things that cannot truly satisfy. So today we're going to be speaking out of John 4. I'm super happy to be here with you guys. So like I said, I am the manager of Cafe 4. I work with an incredible team of human beings. There's about 20 of them, uh, ranging from 16 to 30. And it's kind of an ongoing joke that my actual title is Momager, because I am equal parts mom and manager. And I think it's in my role of Momager that I've really started to relate to my own mom. Um, There's this phenomenon known as mom eyes. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, There's a couple different ways it manifests itself. One is the ability to see things happening behind you, which I have not quite mastered. But the other one is um, the phenomenon where you seem to be the only person that can find anything. And I remember specifically growing up, if I was looking for a pair of shoes or something, we were probably late to go somewhere, I'd run into my room and I would tear my room apart looking for these shoes. I'd be under the bed and I'd be in the closet and I would spend probably a good 30 seconds, if we're being honest, uh, because I had the attention of a fruit fly, really giving it the good college try to find my shoes. I would eventually go to my mom, be like, mom, help, I can't find my shoes. And the question she would ask me always is, did you look for it? Like capital L, look. And I'd be like, yes, of course I did. And she would come into my room with me and it was like this magic something would happen, but the shoes would just magically appear right there where I looked for it. And she's like, well, okay, well, there it is. So the reality is we're just not great at paying attention. We're not always good at seeing what is directly in front of us, or we focus so much on one thing that everything else on the sides is just kind of a blurred out mess, and we're not able to see the other things going on. There's what's happening, and then there's what else is happening. I am a psychology major, got my degree in psychology, and one of the things we spent a decent amount of time discussing is this idea of attention and awareness. And so we're going to do a little experiment this morning. Can I please have five volunteers? Just kidding. I'm not going to do that to anyone. <laughs> you guys got freaked out. Um, I'm going to show a video so you guys can just sit in the comfortable chairs and watch. It is going to ask you to count. Please don't count out loud. Count in the quiet of your heart to the Lord. Um, If you've seen this video before, don't ruin it for the people around you. Okay, let's take a look. How many passes does the team in white make?
The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? It's easy to miss something that you're not looking for. How many people saw the moonwalking bear? A few of you, well done. If you didn't, it's okay. Uh, this is based on an experiment put on by Harvard in the 90s, and over 60% of people do not see the moonwalking bear because that's not what we're looking for, right? You're told to count the ball the number of times it's passed. So anything else that you should be paying attention to drops way into the background so you can focus on this task at hand. We're not always good at allowing interruptions into our line of sight. And so today we're gonna sit in John chapter four. Most people are familiar with this chapter because it talks about the woman at the well. Jesus and his disciples are traveling to Galilee and they're passing through Samaria and they decide to take a break. The disciples go to find something to eat, and Jesus takes a seat at a well. And it's here that he has an encounter with a Samaritan woman who's come to collect water. <laughs> Collecting water was a very important task that had to happen daily. So Jesus just happens to run into her at about noon at the well while she's collecting water. And they have a conversation. And it's through this interaction that Jesus talks to her about her life choices. He exposes some of her sin. He talks about really everything she's done in her life, and she realizes she's speaking to the Messiah who knows everything about her. Jesus paints this picture of living water compared to the well water, which was this kind of singular source. It was still living water was the title assigned to water that was bubbling up from a deep source in the earth like a spring or moving downstream. It was alive and renewing and refreshing. And it's through this illustration that he explains to her that she truly desires, what she thinks she desires is water, but what she truly desires is this deeper thirst that can only be quenched by having a relationship with him. In verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This woman accepts this invitation of a relationship of living water. And she goes and she tells her entire village about her encounter with the Messiah. Meanwhile, the disciples are heading back. In verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work work. I love this little interaction because I kind of relate to the disciples. They're keeping it real surface level. 
They're like, well, we went to get food, and you didn't have any food, and what do you mean you have food? Did somebody give Jesus a snack? Did he have a snack pocket in his cloak? How did this happen? And he's like, no, guys, not that kind of food. Spiritual food. Jesus is essentially saying, I am strengthened to do the work that God has asked me to do by doing the work that God has asked me to do. He was weary and hungry because he was a human and he experienced those things, but he found sustenance and satisfaction in having a conversation with this woman and having the opportunity to show her who he truly was and to offer her a relationship with him. This Samaritan woman was part of the work. She was the work, right? And so in reading this passage, I just started to think about what this woman's story. She is getting to the well at around noon. And that was not ideal. Typically, fetching water, which was to be done daily, was done early in the morning when it was nice and cool. When it's getting to noon, it's starting to get to the hotter part of the day. And it was a physically hard job to pull water up from the well. So you'd want to do that really early. It was also a social experience. You would go with your friends, maybe, and have be a group outing. And she's alone. And maybe think about, like, what did her morning look like? She got such a late start. Did she spill something while she was cooking breakfast? Did she get stuck in a conversation she didn't want to be in? Did she have an encounter with a neighbor or a family member? Did she choose to go late? We know that there was a lot of drama surrounding her relationship status in the village. So was there some kind of social anxiety there? Maybe she didn't want to run into anyone. She didn't want to talk to anyone. She had her list of things she needed to get done that day, water being one of them, and she was just trying to get through her list. Does that resonate with you this morning? Were you late leaving the house? Misplaced your keys, one of the kids spilled? Were you late getting your coffee and the whole morning just felt off? Did you choose to be late? Do you make a little mental note when they do the meet and greet, the awkward whole minute where you're just like, what do I do? And you're like, I'm just going to go in after that. It's fine. I'll sneak in, right? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe there was someone you didn't want to see this morning. We create rhythms in our lives. We love schedules. That's how we operate as people. We create habits and patterns, and it's through these rhythms and patterns that we eventually dictate what we value, what we believe to be true, what we love, what we may end up even worshiping. Maybe it's your schedule, your calendar, your title at work, your family, your cell phone, The things that we use as our daily tasks become our sustenance. And our sustenance becomes what feeds us. But our food can oftentimes distract us from what God actually has for us. We oftentimes can't be bothered to be interrupted. And this interaction this woman has with Jesus is an interruption to her day. 
She's just getting water. She's checking something off her list. She doesn't mean to have a whole conversation. She wants to get in and get out and get on with her day. She's thirsty, she needs water, and she wants to move on. But if she was not open to this interruption, if she was not open to engaging in a conversation, she would have missed an incredible opportunity. But she paid attention and it changed her life. She paid attention and it changed her life. I feel like I relate to this woman. I love lists. Annie talked a couple weeks ago about her love for lists and the fact that she'll throw some things onto her to-do list that she's already done just for the satisfaction of crossing them off. I get it, I really get it. And, um, you know, I just, I'm someone who gets really task-oriented and I like to be responsible and I like to handle my business. And so I get so caught up in the checking off of the list things that I get tunnel vision for what I need to accomplish. And this made me stop and think, what kind of opportunities have I missed? The Lord works in interruptions. But if I'm too busy getting the stuff done that I need to get done, then I'm gonna miss them completely. This woman at the well takes time to engage with someone that she normally wouldn't have. He was a Jewish man, and she was a Samaritan woman. It's even written that the disciples commented on the fact that Jesus was talking to a woman. But to me, it's a big deal that she talked to him. She's got stuff to do. He's honestly in the way. But she took the time to engage in this kind of inconvenient interruption and have a conversation. And it's through this conversation that she is offered living water and that changes the trajectory of her entire life and the life of everyone in her village. It says afterwards that she left her jug and ran to tell her entire village. Her desire had shifted. What she had originally desired, which was just water, to check something off the list, to be seen as successful in accomplishing what she needed to do, shifted to this need to tell everyone about her encounter with the Messiah. We need to pay attention because it could change our life. We tend to be consumers. This is a consumption-based society. We are consumers of our time, of our own resources, of our calendar. And as believers, we can be consumers of the Holy Spirit, users and abusers, right? We come on a Sunday, we want to get filled up, so we take the lid off, do some worship, hear something out of the Bible, I'll pray for you, put the lid back on, get through the week, try not to spill any Holy Spirit anywhere, <laughs> look out, oh. and then the next week we come back, take the lid off again, fill up some more. And instead of being consumers of the Holy Spirit, we can be collaborators with the Holy Spirit. That's part of the amazing truth of walking with Christ is we get access to this living water. 
this Holy Spirit, this renewing, transformative life source. Jesus was doing the work of God who had sent him. And we can be doing the work of Jesus who has sent us. He calls us out to be disciples. That's our job. We need to work alongside the Holy Spirit to make that happen. In verse 35, Jesus goes on to say, Do not say, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Jesus had eyes for the harvest. This woman was part of the harvest. Do we have eyes for the harvest? For the moonwalking bear that doesn't always seem really obvious? Things that there's what's happening and then there's what else is happening? We will fall short. We will desire the wrong things, but our failures or successes in our walk with Christ do not define us or determine our worth in his eyes. Praise God for that. Instead, we are defined by Christ's sacrifice and the work he's done in our lives, and also we have to do the work. We have been called very specifically to do the work. But we have to see. It starts with seeing. I also think it's worth mentioning that Jesus was not mad at the woman at the well for desiring water, for desiring the wrong thing. Instead, he used her desire to point her in the direction of what she truly desired. He used a divine appointment to bring about purpose in the middle of the mundane of this woman's life. And it came in the form of an interruption. What she thought she believed transformed into what she truly desired. But she had to pay attention. Are we putting ourselves in a position to pay attention? Psalms 127, verses 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. We can do everything we need to do, we can get everything on our list checked off. We can go in and out day to day, but unless Christ is the center of it, it is in vain. Unless our minds and hearts go back to Christ, unless we are giving him the space to build the house, unless we are in the word daily, that's our daily bread, guys. And unless we're consuming that daily, we will eat sustenance that cannot truly satisfy. We will eat the bread of anxious toil. And as a carb queen, that sounds terrible to me. 
Garlic bread, sure. Cheesy garlic bread, yes. Bread of anxious toil, no thank you. I was thinking about what that would look like if it was on a menu somewhere. Like, hi, do you have a gluten-free option for the bread of anxious toil? <laughs> Walking with God, coming back to Christ, is the only way that we can successfully manage our range of vision. And spiritual fulfillment in our day-to-day life starts with seeing the work the Lord's doing. So what does this look like in my day-to-day life, Monday through Friday, Sunday afternoons? I have three points for you all, y'all who are note-takers. Number one, look for it. The Lord's like, did you look? Look for it. Look for the moonwalking bear. I was driving home a couple weeks ago, and I saw a gigantic tree that was covered in purple blossoms. Like, there was no green on it. It was all purple. It was like a Dr. Seuss tree. It was so beautiful. And it was enough to make me go like, I have never seen that tree before. What the heck? It's so beautiful. I saw like 10 more of these purple trees on my drive home. I've been driving back and forth for five years and have never seen these trees before. And I know they didn't just show up. But because my awareness was brought to something that I wasn't necessarily looking for, I can't unsee it. I see it everywhere. They're all over Castro Valley and Hayward. It's amazing. You guys are going to see the purple trees. There's a couple on this street right here. Look for the purple trees. There's what's happening, and then there's what else is happening. But we have to look for it. Number two, practice discipline. This series has been about things that we can be putting into practice, rhythms we can be creating in our lives to build intimacy with the Lord. Practices and disciplines of abstinence and engagement. So fasting, solitude, being in the word daily. These are things that if we're engaging in them, if we're committing to them, they will inevitably change the way we see the world the way our reality functions. And just because the series is ending doesn't mean we stop. This is important stuff. It's hard. It's the hard work, but it's the good work. So get some friends together. Keep each other accountable. Keep it going. I know it's hard, but it's good. And number three, ask God. Ask him. It says in this passage, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. In the morning before we reach for our cell phone, you all do it. How about you take that first minute of consciousness and just ask God, Ask God to give you eyes to see the harvest. Ask God to make your purpose known to you. On the drive to work, maybe don't turn on your radio. Just have a conversation. Start there. Start by directing your heart towards the Lord in the morning. There are things we are called to do as believers. Love God. Love your neighbor. 
This means not just your friends, it means the really difficult people too. Pray for your enemies. I don't know if you guys can see this, but this is a really cute little golf ball. And Tuesday, somebody decided that they really needed to get into my car, and they used a golf ball to do that. And I'm going to pray for these people this week. I'm going to choose to believe that this is God's interruption in my week of like, hey, just pray. They need prayer. Maybe they're here. Are you guys here? If you need your golf ball, I have your golf ball. <laughs> Come on. You can see me afterwards. You're forgiven. <laughs> but God works in the form of interruptions, and I'm going to choose to believe that he's going to use that for something. I don't know what, but he, he will. But we have to have eyes to see. He will use things in our mundane to show us our purpose and to show us the harvest. Look, practice, ask. We're going to switch gears a little bit now. One of my favorite things is communion. And so in this series, we've been learning ways to bring our attention back to Christ, to bring our desire back to Christ, to see the ways the Lord is working. And one of the biggest things he's ever done, the biggest thing he's ever done, is give us his son as a sacrifice. And so communion is a time for us believers to gather together and remember that sacrifice and to renew that covenant and to use it as an expression of unity with Christ. And so these two things, bread and the cup, that are just normal day-to-day items alone, but together in this context are incredibly powerful reminders of what he's done for us. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and the worship band to come back out. And we're going to sing a song while the elements are being distributed. I'm going to pray for us. But my hope this morning is that this song would be the prayer of our hearts this week. That we would be asking God to be our vision. That we would be asking God for wisdom to help us to see things the way he sees them. Would you pray with me?